Hey everyone, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Navigating No Contact with Toxic Parents. I'm your host, Tracy Principe. And today I have a special guest with me. Um, her name is Sarah White. She's LMHC and CYT. She's in, in the Hudson Valley in New York. So we are going to talk about boundaries today with toxic parents and everything that encompasses, which is a lot, why boundaries are so hard and all of that. So Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited today to dive into the topics around boundaries. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, let's get started. Let's dive in, sure. talk about boundaries. Take a, a, a moment because I realized when you asked me to share my name and I put my credentials after that. Um, so I'm a licensed mental health counselor. That's what LMHC is. And I also am a certified yoga instructor. Uh, and that was something, those two credentials were something that were really important to me through my, my own work of complex trauma, uh, really getting my body involved, learning mm -hmm. how to regulate my body was really important to me. So being able to yeah. adapt, not only for myself, but for the clients that I work with. So yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad we were finally able to connect. I know. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Yeah. So, you know, one of the I, th I think the boundaries is, is at the top, I'd say, of the list of things that people really struggle with when considering no contact um, and low contact and, and just even trying to go no contact um, with most of the parents that, you know, they, they seem to have, you know, be really enmeshed with um, the boundaries are, are really tough because the, the, the parent or parents will just not respect that. Plain and simple. They don't respect boundaries. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, you know, in my, in my situation, I look at, you know, narcissism as a continuum and in some ways we all fall on that, you know, with, with being a little self-absorbed. Um, but, you know, when we get into the area of where it's toxic and enmeshed, what I find is a lot of, of parents that really fall more on the personality disorder Continuum. Mm -hmm. um, one of the issues that really gets in the way is confabulation. Is mm -hmm. that you know parents, and I guess I should talk more about my own experience because this is my experience with my parents. Is confabulation is different than lies that my parents believe their lies. They really do. So yes it's it's really impossible to set up healthy boundaries when they truly believe that my boundaries are ridiculous or unnecessary or nothing yeah. really happened that was that bad i believe that they believe that i know that they do so yeah. at a certain point for me in my life there was no point in trying to have grounded compassionate conversations mm -hmm. i tried that for yeah. a very very long time uh, and it got me nowhere. It just got me more frustrated, kept me stuck in the cycles, just depleted energetically, um, constantly re-traumatizing myself. So it had to just um, a firm choice, which is so unnatural. That's why it's so difficult. Yeah. 
I mean, we are biologically wired. We're communal creatures as human beings. Right. You know, yeah. really deeply crave uh, a crave naturally to be connected. Yeah. We're tribal in that way. Right. So to disconnect from first family is mm. very unnatural, very painful, and very, very challenging. It is not yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I have the, uh, most people don't have the, well, some people do, but I have the ignoring mom. She just ignores me. So it's easy. There's no boundary to set because she will literally never call me, never reach out. Um, and she, she's, that's just the way she's just very, um, I don't know what personality disorder she has. I have no idea. But yeah, she's just ignoring. Uh, and she was that way my whole life. I mean, I was, you know, I was like the invisible child. So there aren't really boundaries to set. I go no contact and, and nobody, you know, nobody's after me. Nobody's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that that's painful in a very But that's painful in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the avoidant parent or the, you know, the neglect. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that from, you know, most most of the people in my community and um, the people that I work, they definitely have the parents that are just, you know, hounding them, coming over, showing up at work even, um, you know, calling friends from high school, you know, just all, you know, just you know, they want that control. They just can't let go. Oh, yeah. that that And that's the category that I fall into with both of my parents. Mm. And it's manipulation. You know, it yeah. really trying to reach out to other people to convince me that I should stay connected. Um, and, you know, it's a... Uh, I don't, it's... It, it's the, the desperation also on their part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's so confusing because yeah. I believe that they really want the connection. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. About, about this before we, we connected today, because you had asked me when we first talked about doing this, um, you know, to, to think about if there was just a, a pivotal moment for me and, mm -hmm. I was trying to think about, you know, pivotal moments, but it really wasn't like that for me. It was more of the quote of death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I just really ha uh, grew up with so much emotional ma manipulation. It's like I, the stories that I could tell, I could just, I could sit here for hours and go through it mm -hmm. all. And I yeah. have that in therapy and that's not the place where I'm at anymore I don't find that helpful at this point I think I needed yeah. that at one point to just really get the validation of you know th that's messed up right because so yeah on the receiving end of this wind up with this feeling of chronic self-doubt it really does a number yeah. um and I was I was really able to see it for what it was, the emotional manipulation, when I became a parent myself. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it became very clear through my love for my son and just knowing I would never do any of those things, say any of those things. And right. I really 
be available for him in a way where I was constantly building him up and never tearing him down. And that's when it really, I, I had this new lens on and I could see mm. it go up when we love someone and that's not yeah. the way I felt love. So I was really able to see it through that lens for myself, that validating, that, that inner child. Right. Um, but then also as my son got older, and when I say older, I'm talking about like toddler years. Yeah. I little things that they would do if he wouldn't do something that they wanted him to do. It, it could be as seeming mm. and harmless as, you know, give me a hug. And if he didn't want to, they would pretend like fake cry. Mm. And I could see my yeah. and I, you know, this, this mama bear inside of me was like, oh, right. no, you're not doing that. Yeah. I, and, you know, it, it started to become more like that. And now my son is 14 um, and, you know, he has language for it. And he has said at times, uh, you know, that scares me when they behave that way. Mm. Wow. So when he was able to vocalize that. Yeah. And that was a few years ago, around three years ago. I've really w had a conversation and said, you know, you don't if anybody scares you in that way or mm -hmm. you um, manipulate your emotions or making you feel guilty that you're doing yeah. something wrong, then yeah. you need to stand really firm and protect yourself. And you have absolutely every right to say, I don't want to do that and not feel bad about it. And as I'm talking to him, I can feel myself talking to myself, like the words that I needed all of those years ago. Right. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I think that's for a lot of people when they have their own children and they, they witness their parents kind of doing the same thing to their children and that, you know, then, then they, the, some, they, that mama bear, they get that courage to, to set those boundaries and say, wait a minute, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. did it to me, but you're not going to do it to my kids. And that is oftentimes when they do they you know that mama bear rage comes out and then they make that clean cut um of no contact mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of the you know because of their own children and they see that same dynamic playing out right it's not yeah. it's not like they got to be better grandparents right right most of the time right yeah, yeah. and you know i i am it, with no contact, um, I, I've been no contact for a couple years with my father. Um, mm -hmm. Going no contact with my mother was harder um, because, you know, she would she would intermittently be able to for very short periods of time um, yeah. to be level headed. Mm -hmm. But it would. Yeah lap so quickly so I was doing that whole like feeling this this hope of okay, yes. possibility that this is going to be a healthy connection yeah realizing that you know as far as hope goes hope can be such a beautiful emotion to anchor into and it mm -hmm. also can be something that that keeps us stuck in our patterns when it's mm -hmm. home yeah you know so for, for yes. other, I ha I was really trying to do detached contact and kind mm. of it on the surface and even having conversations with her about that, being able to say, yeah. are 
a lot of our beliefs and values are very different. I think that if we just try to keep it light and sit on the mm-hmm. surface of things that for the sake of extended family, that we can make things more comfortable and civil for one another. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just, it, it would last for these short little blips mm. and then I'm explosive and I would want, find myself completely depleted. So yeah. more recently I have had to go just accept that that's the pattern, right? Patterns don't yeah. work. Right. They yeah. Don't. We have to believe them. Yes. Um, and that's a huge struggle for people. If we could, dive into that a little more that you know that that they see that hope because some oh they changed well they're you know they're they just changed magically and maybe that change lasts a week or even a few months um and and then something happens and that it um they they really suffer even worse than before because they had gone back in thinking that that you know something had changed and that that hope comes alive and then they could do this cycle for decades Absolutely. you know yeah and and that is a vicious cycle um, that is is really emotionally draining and damaging mm-hmm. to be stuck in that cycle of hope and oh you know somehow they, they it seems like everything changed and you know maybe from um, a professional standpoint you can you know i always tell people people don't magically change mm-hmm. they just don't right no not not, not without help no, right not without putting real effort in um and you know if we look at the, the very basics of grief, which many of us know, um, the simple version of the five stages of grief. And yeah. of course, they're never linear. They bounce all over the place. But yeah. when we are making the choice to either have detached contact, if that will work, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't, or if we have to go no contact, I think that what's missing from the conversation mm-hmm. is that this is to grieve it's to and it's necessarily your mother or your father it is a mother or a father to really surrender into i have to let that go Mm -hmm. is very very painful it is so the hope is what keeps us in the cycle of repeating the grief cycle over Mm -hmm. over. because when when we're in the anger of it which is healthy anger can be a beautiful motivator to really advocate for yourself yeah or that bargaining place which you know was kind of what i was just talking about okay Mm -hmm. this kind of relationship if you're able to keep it on the surface and keep it light damn well knowing that's never been able to work in the past right in my blind spot, staying connected to the false hope that it could be yeah. better, that it's, you know, then that falls apart and then I'm back into the anger and the resentment, yeah. right? And then of course the depression and mm. the, the grieving just keeps going and going and going when, yeah. when, when you're not accepting that the pattern is real, that it is, right. the, that it keeps repeating itself. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of courage to to really 
accept that the pattern is real, that anchoring into these moments where somebody can intermittently seem connected and give us love mm-hmm. is actually more dangerous mm, yeah. than putting yeah. up. Because yeah. now we're in their inconsistency. Yes, that's right. Oh, I know what that feels like. Awful. Devastating. So, and and again, you know, going back to the confabulation of people that have, or parents who have personality disorders, when they believe their lies and saying they don't understand, it makes it harder because it might be the truth. They may really not understand. Yeah. capacity issue, not cognitively, but from an emotional intelligence, ability to empathize. Mm. So what we want is when we all want closure, right? Whenever about grief or whether a relationship comes to an end, what we all want and hope for is a feeling of, of closure. And when we get it, we can stay stuck. Yeah. You know, so accepting that I have to believe this pattern and I have to either have detached contact if possible or no contact mm-hmm. yeah. so that I can stand on a stable ground. Yeah. That's why it's so hard. Yes. Yeah. And that too, um, going back to that point of, you know, that instability, um, I remember what that felt like as a kid because I never knew what kind of mood my mom was going to be in. Right. And she was, the, again, she was the cold, ignoring type of mom. She didn't talk, you know, there was more silent treatment and looks. And she was, it was very body language and not so much words. And I just, I to this day, I remember what that felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, And and then so seeing when her mood would change a little bit and she seemed in a better mood and, and, you know, that false hope and and then that cycle of, like you said, you know, pulling back and and the depression. And and for me, it was self-harm through drinking and and acting out um, and and doing that cycle every time I'd get rejected, you know, drinking and, and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Right. And so yeah. many go to war with ourselves. Yes. You know? And that for many of us starts in adolescence, you know, yeah. starting to go through that natural developmental phase of individuating, which means that we're, we're going out into the world and and meeting new friends and peers. And that's so natural. But when you're growing up with inconsistency in your home, mm-hmm. it's hard to feel like the world is a friendly place or that people right. are trustworthy or that people are consistent. So right. many of us, myself included, it started, you know, when I was 14, I started with an eating disorder and then went on to um, Me too. drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Right? How many of us? Like we have these same stories and right, um, and really thinking that that was um, about me, my deficit. Yeah. A, yeah, of course. Like I'm an adult now, I have to own that. That yeah. I take care of myself, but not realizing then, as a, a child, 14 years old, that I didn't feel safe in the world. 
right. safe in the world. Um, so being at war with ourselves because of the inconsistency at home and not feeling safe in the world or with other people is in a very bizarre, counterintuitive way, an attempt to control yeah. and create an environment that's predictable when home yeah. is predictable. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And it's so important. I mean, I say this over and over, and this is something that um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, have you ever heard of him? Yeah, the yeah. body keeps the score. Score. <laughs> I was so fortunate enough a few years ago, I did uh, a continuing education seminar with him at Kerpalo, which is this beautiful retreat center. Oh, yeah. He was such an incredible speaker. Um, and, you know, he said so many incredible things, and he, he's an asset in a lot of different ways. But one of the one of the beautiful pieces of information that he offered was saying to people with complex trauma from childhood that we have got to learn how to forgive ourselves for the way we tried to survive in our mm. past. Mm, and that yeah. hit me right in the heart. And I, I try to mantra yeah. that to myself um, and and remind my clients and anybody yeah. who and that, you know, whether it was an eating disorder or drugs or alcohol or, you know, promiscuity that you really didn't want to be engaged in, whatever it was or yeah. still is, yeah. we start to really try to forgive ourselves for the way that we're trying to survive while we're showing up and trying to heal. Right. Really strong, self-empowered foundation to stand on and yeah. through the pain with less self-doubt, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is the other part of that internalizing all of that shame and, 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 you know, reversing the anger on ourselves and just, you know, it's my fault. I'm bad. Right. There must be something wrong with me. I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. I have to be the better, bigger person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have to fix this again, you know, managing our parents emotions and getting caught up in all of that is a whole other aspect of that I see so often. Right. And, you know, even, even when we get to the point of when we make a decision, when we kind of get mm -hmm. on and decide that we are going to have no contact, that we have yeah. enough information to say that these patterns do not lie. And yeah. uh, if you're at the point where you're recognizing that and you're able to say, you know, that false hope is not serving me yeah. and I have to be able to go through the grieving process without rebooting back to the beginning over and over by engaging and being hopeful mm -hmm. that this pattern is going to change. Yeah. Then we also have to look back at our childhood and those formative years of development where we didn't feel safe in the world, where we didn't know what to expect. So we tried to create some sort of a feeling of control through mm -hmm. self-harming in some way and be able to look at what, what of those old ghosts are still lingering now, right? Yeah. That, yeah. And that's the place where I am right now, Tracy, which is mm -hmm. so I, so full disclosure. And I, I really work hard on... Um, being open and transparent because even, you know, 
anytime I've ever had the opportunity, whether it's teaching or being a therapist or doing a speaking event or even this, I always want people to know that I'm not standing up on a mountain, reaching my hand down saying like, I've got it all figured out. Come on up. I am very much still on the battlefield all of the time, getting stronger. Yeah. yeah. But I recently um, decided to really get my drinking in check. You know, it was kind mm. of that weekend warrior uh, yeah. and very high functioning, you know, and have all these <laughs> like, it's okay. It's not really a problem, but I've, I've known that it's been a problem for a long time. Um, you know, like my numbing started first with food and wore at my body, with body. And then in my teenage years, drinking and drug experimentation, I kind of like cleaned up my act with all the drugs and stuff early in my twenties. But then the drinking was yeah, like the drinking stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, me too. Yeah. It's so exciting. I could go to work with that. I couldn't go to work with drugs. Well, right. Right. And it's socially acceptable. And it's socially, that's right. Yeah. So it's easy just kind of like sneak in and be like, oh, yeah, no, this isn't a problem. Um, but it, it was, it has been becoming more and more of a problem. And, uh, and so I mm. am very proud to say I am 33 days sober. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And um, really, you know, like seeing things with this very clear lens and yeah. you know, really trying to be compassionate with myself. And uh, what I'm noticing now, which is really, really wild, mm -hmm. I've known this, but like my blind spots wouldn't let me fully see it, is that yeah. I came in life what I needed, you know, like yeah. a therapist. And I became a mm meditation mm. and yeah wow. right and i'm sure wow. oh man and sure for you and this mission of yeah. like becoming what you needed which mm. if we're being honest there's a part of that that is so deeply altruistic yeah. and there's probably this other part of it that is like is our is our worth anchoring into this work mm. and we have to just be so so cautious that we remember mm. that we can do this work and yeah. for others and yeah. whether it's great work where there's a great podcast or a, a great session with a client or a great right. event that 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 doesn't define our worth because the opposite is true too yeah yeah oh, i love that it's amazing yeah yes. so i really believe that um those of us who have gone through trauma that when we show up and and want to have a platform and make an offering to the world mm -hmm. as long as we are showing up and doing our own work too yes the work is beautiful and it's altruistic mm. and doors just fly open mm. um, yes but we also have to really be conscious because these these trauma imprints are deep 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 yeah, so yeah. Deep. they're so, so deep. deep yeah, yeah. right and yeah I, and no matter how smart we are, it doesn't matter. They're sneaky. They're so sneaky. They're sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That revelation for me to figure out like, oh my God, I'm actually showing up for other people in my life more than myself. And, right. and, it, and it was kind of like recognizing like the depletion. It left me through the end of the week to being like, oh, I just need a, a release and I need something. Yeah. And, you know. Next thing I know, it's yeah. I'm drinking too much, and then I'm hungover, and I'm like, "What? This is not a way to treat myself." Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Wow. So so glad you recognize that. 
Me too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Um, wow. So powerful. And um, going back to, you know, really going no contact with your mother, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, that was, that was harder. And I think that's true for most people, um, you know, cause that's your birth giver. Sure. How, how did you parent too, you know, sometimes has a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you are full, you're no contact with your mother. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And my yeah. Father. And am. your father. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. how did you, how were you able to finally, you know, have that boundary? Um, and, and, and it sounds like they have backed off. Have they backed off over time? No. <laughs> no. Okay. I would love to say that that's true. It's not. Um, you know, so so recently, it's so interesting because I I still feel a, a little bit guarded and like I want mm -hmm. to protect them because I don't hate them. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, there were times where I felt like I hate them, hated yeah. them, really really angry, uh, and I I think that that was healthy. That that helped me uh, move through the self validation piece and really put my boundaries together. But most recently. My father's health declined. Um, mm. I shouldn't say rapidly. He, he's been an addict. Both of my parents struggle with addiction. Mm. So my father's health recently declined to the point where he is now in an assisted living. And he's 66. He's not an old man. Wow. I mean, <laughs> chronologically, he's not an old man, but biologically, yeah. damage that he yeah. has done throughout mm. the year his whole life um he's in this really tough position and suddenly i found um you know my aunts and uncles my father's siblings reaching out to me in this kind of crisis situation saying like we have to do something we have to help um and i had never really shared the extent of the trauma yeah. that i have endured with yeah extended family, particularly on my father's side, mm -hmm. and they were, they were, you know, they were desperate and they were feeling sad about his situation. And it is sad, um, but it's not tragic per se. It's he, it's a part of the consequences of him making terrible choices throughout his life. But right. I really was feeling all of this pressure to, you know, talk with social workers, try to help him, um, even kind of covertly that suggestion of, could you take him in without directly saying it? Yeah. And I had to tell them um, why my boundaries were as firm as mm. they because I knew that they wouldn't really understand why my boundaries right. were firm unless they knew that there had been some serious abuse. Yeah. And they heard me. Uh, and it was this unexpected Wow. gift of validation that I didn't recognize mm. I have been craving my entire life. Wow. I did tell my mother about the abuse that happened when I was in eighth grade. Um, and because there was just so much dysfunction, my parents didn't divorce until I was in, towards the end of high school. Mm -hmm. Dysfunction in the house, it just kind of got swept under the rug. So therefore, yeah, swept it under the rug right. and no longer could. When I became a mother, it was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and that's when it became more validating. So, you know, in this, this recent situation with my father declining and feeling this pressure and finally being able to say, you need to know why my boundaries are so firm and why I can't bend them, yeah. um, telling them about the abuse and just, just there's love and support. Um, you know, I had reached out to my mom because it was a little bit kind of, uh, I was uh, trying to navigate that more detached. This is a few months ago, that detached mm -hmm. right. space. Uh, and I had reached out and I had told her, I said, listen, this is what happened. You know, aunt, uncle reached out to me and uh, it just came out. I let them know what happened. Yeah. And her response was, did they, did you tell them that you told me? <laughs> and it, it, like back then. Okay. Frank, did you tell them that when I was in eighth wow. grade, I me? That was her reaction. Mm. I, I just, it was ripped mm. apart. I was so mm. angry after feeling all of the love and support and connection from my aunt and all yeah. of them. And it was just kind of like the nail in the coffin that it was mm, like, still, yeah. oh, you, oh my God. Yeah, wow. So that was the moment where I blocked her. I blocked her. And um, she did reach out to uh, a nanny that that I'm still in contact with from uh, when we were growing up. And my mother wound up telling my nanny everything. And her, my, my nanny and I are close mm -hmm. and she called me and she said, Sarah, I just want you to know that I'm in your corner and your mother wanted yeah. to reach out to you to, wow. to try to open the door for conversation with her. Um, and, she, she, and she, for the first time she said, and I won't do that anymore. And I'm sorry I ever did that. So it was wow. really mixed bag of yeah. validation and this beautiful experience of finally just saying it, what yeah. happened. Um, and I know I'm being vague about it because the details aren't important. Um, Absolutely. But that's really what happened these past few months. Um, yeah. And also like trying, really deciding, like getting sober. So it's like, I am raw and feeling all of these things. Yeah. Feeling wow. The influx of love and support and validation. And then it's still being all about my mom. It just, mm. such a, a palpable, raw, emotional experience that I was able with confidence to just say, yeah, bored because yeah. I need to truly tend to myself. Yeah. And it was a gift too. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, um, I have a similar experience in that. I don't know. It was, you know, it just got, it just clicked after decades of going back in that loop. And, you know, I thought, well, let me, and, you know, I was like, I'm going to go try to help my mom one more time. And I had tried to help my mom a gazillion times before that. And my thinking was, well, she's older. She's, you know, late seventies and she's getting older. And this is the last chance that she has to maybe connect. Mm-hmm. That's how my brain was approaching it. And so, you know, I went and and it was okay for like the first couple of days. And, and that's how it always was because she would be like, 
you know, she would, she'd be like a normal person, all happy and everything was great. And then bam, she turned on a dime and she's like, it's your fault. Yep. It's your fault. It's all your fault. Right. And that's the day that I just left and, and I was, I was just, I'm, I'm done. Somehow I just knew that I was done. Yeah. That that was never going to happen again. I, I wish that for, I know that you're <laughs> really, um, we're supposed to be patient with our process, you know, and, and psych yeah. readiness is such a unique formula for each person. And yeah. I wish what the formula was. I really don't. It's yeah. different for everyone. It is. It really I, I is. I feel really blessed, lucky, grateful, whatever you want to say. I'm sure you're feeling that too for that moment of where we get off the fence and yeah. and really just decide to to commit to ourselves. Um, and you know, I also I think it's important to say this for for listeners that you know trying is a part of the process that yeah. you know for our personal sense of integrity. And I can keep it on me, but I also think that it's universal in this type of a situation. That trying to explain or trying to communicate effectively cleanly without venom to my parents where I was coming from, even yeah. though it always fell on deaf ears, yeah. was about me and my personal integrity mm. that walk yeah. away and say, that wasn't quote unquote successful, yeah. but I could truly say I tried. Yeah. And yeah. I did that. I needed that for myself. Mm. So I think it's important, yeah. you know, if people are thinking about or even questioning what should my boundaries look like, that mm -hmm. they don't tell themselves to be patient with it. Um, and, you know, if you're getting re-injured over and over and over, mm. believe the pattern. Yeah. And also if that's happening, maybe that's a part of their personal process that they need that experience to even recognize that there is a pattern. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't, I couldn't just cut cords quickly. I'm very, very sensitive. Um, and I always craved motherly love and fatherly love. I mean, to this day in my mid forties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my friends who have children and their their parents or their children's grandparents are a part of their lives. And I don't have that. And there's there's right. people, there's a lot Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it takes yeah. aches, you know, yeah. it really does. It, it really does. Yeah. And, and I always, you know, I always say that pain, sometimes it's still there. And sometimes I'll reflect on that. And sometimes I have days where I feel down. But what it doesn't do anymore is consume me and I don't self-harm anymore. Yes. And yeah. it usually passes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's such an important point to bring up because yeah. you know, a lot of times when we're thinking about our healing, that we think that, okay, there is a goal to get to and then I'm not. Yes. Going to no. Yeah. You know. Yeah don't want to set yourself up for that kind of failure. It's, right. You know, I, I kind of, 
I've made this analogy before. It's like going to a restaurant and you're really, really hungry and you look at the menu and everything looks terrible, but there's one thing on the menu that you can digest that won't make you sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. just do enough nutrition to get you through. Yes. <laughs> That's what this choice is very much like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Satisfying and fulfilling and you feel complete. It's about this is the best choice that I can make in a really terrible situation and be begin to move towards peace and practice peace and choose peace over and over. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And finding that, you know, that compassion for myself and, and just, you know, oh if God. I'm feeling like I'm having a day that feels a little painful or sad or grieving or whatever it is, you know, whatever, I take a walk. Yep. Um, I just, you know, Absolutely. do something Change your state. Change your state is always. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it does, it passes, you know, it passes. But we, we, I mean, we, we got wired with these parents that were very inconsistent, unpredictable. Right. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have that experience of being, you know, having that attunement, nurturing. Um, and, and so, right, it's like, but we can, we can create a life that feels peaceful, joyous, free. To me, that inter and it's an internal process, right? Oh, Internally, like I wouldn't trade that peace and freedom for what I was doing before, which was, oh. you know, really just harming myself. Yeah, and, and you know, so often you don't even know that you're in it, you know, because yeah. that, it's so easy to get stuck in a place of resentment and constantly pointing yeah. over a situation that you don't have control over yeah. what your parents do. At, at a certain point, it is your responsibility to take the power back to yourself. And I know that might sound yeah. really or cheesy, but it is the truth. And yeah. That we have to make that decision of, yes, this impacted me. And in some way, I know it forever will but I also have the ability to make choices for myself and yeah. over and over to stay connected to what's healthy for me, um, including people, right? Other, really, right. That's a whole nother topic you could. That's what I know. The attachment is right. very, very real and, and what we gravitate, you know, it's like that home feels uh, like home. We have to be very careful of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's, that's interesting too, because I notice when a lot of people go no contact um, and they start to, you know, they, they pull away from their parents and they stop focusing on the parents. They begin to focus on themselves and then, you know, maybe they get some therapy or they come to me and do some somatic and nervous system work. Then they realize, Oh shit. Like, Every everybody's talk, you know, they've got like it bleeds out into work and personal yeah. relationships, and they're and then they get they then they get really like, you know, they get sad and overwhelmed mm -hmm. because they, you know, like like this this light comes on and it's it's everywhere. It is the familiarity is bleeds oh. out in every area of life. 
Right. And, and so much of that is uh, the choices that we made from, you know, subconscious injuries because home feels like home. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we start to see these patterns. I've done that so many times, particularly with female friendships for me. Mm. You know, that was a yeah. pattern that I would repeat over and over of, of gravitating um, mm. towards, you know, like unpredictable. And mm. almost like seeing it as exciting, you know? Yeah, yeah. And recognizing how much it mirrored my childhood. Uh, and yeah, it, so it is, it's it's a big life overhaul. And that's why it is so it important is. to get the support. You know, yeah. there are other people that have experienced this and, you know, get, getting your body involved. I love that you do the somatic yeah. work. That's so important. Because um, so it's, it's stored in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I when I went no contact, I always say that's the first step because I actually went no contact and then like everything else happened from there. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I just I had no idea about any of this or the, the you know, the depth of the trauma, you know, for me, which was like emotional neglect. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then everything else, you know, happened mm -hmm. kind of like in a 12 step program where you might you, you go and get sober. And then when I first got sober, too, I thought all I had to do was get sober. Boy, right. was I wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, there's a term for it. Emotional sobriety. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. it's it's that is what it is. It's you can't be when you're doing the that whole pattern that we talked about of, of clinging to false hope and then opening the door. And, you know, yeah. it's good for a short period of time, which is the manipulation tactic of bait and switch. Right. Right. Very common. Yeah. Um, yep. You open up that door and next thing you know, it switches again and you're just doom looping over and over. Yeah. And then you're in it is it very much mirrors addiction. Yeah, it really does, right? right. I, yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, emotional variety is really yeah. the time that you can you can feel the depths and really yeah. see with clarity where am I choosing yeah. other areas in other areas of my life that mirror right. these patterns. Like, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, and that um, yeah, that that is really so important in doing this work. You know, I I. I, um, I reckon, cause it's, it's pretty, I always recommend, you know, go no contact for a little while mm -hmm. just to get some clarity and give yourself some space because Absolutely. it's nearly impossible to do this work or any kind of work in that cycle. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's Oh, abs yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the term emotional contagion is one that I talk about a lot, you know, as as communal creatures, right? That's what we are. Yeah. Whether you want to call it vibrations, which is just energy with information or mirror neurons, you can look at it yeah. from the human science perspective. However you need to look at it, the truth is, is that we, what we're around becomes who we are. So yeah. when, we, when we, we can't get clarity if we're in the cycle. So I, I love right. that that you recommend that because I think that that's really important. It's even if you just take a little hiatus and see how you feel, yeah. notice how you sleep, 
Yes, that's, yeah, huge. Yeah, just that little hiatus because some people are like, oh, I, I can't I can't do that and never talk to them again. I'm like, no, no, just take a break and see how it feels. And yep. then people, and then usually what happens are people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I was doing that for so long. And they're like, no, I don't want to go back. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a, a great way to ease in and figure out um, yeah, where you're at in the process, but regardless of where you're at, and I know I'm kind of repeating myself at this point, but I, I think it's so important that, mm -hmm. you know, if you need to, again, to, talking about it in terms of addiction, like go into those cycles with parents and, and, and kind of fall down over and over again, like yeah. that may be a part of your process yeah. for a while. And yeah. hopefully you don't make it the long process, but if that's happening, not beating yourself up over that, that may yeah. need to happen to be for validation. Right. Yeah. You know, that you may, yeah. with complex trauma, it's so hard to put your finger at something. Mm, it's yeah. very different. You know, yeah. it, it's not like it, it's, it, that's why they call it hidden abuse or covert abuse. You don't always have something to point your finger at. So you may that's actually right. need those patterns be able to say, I, I see right. it now. Yeah, yeah, that, that is so true. You know, I actually had to look at my own, I, I call it in the invisible trauma, because I actually had to look at my own life mm -hmm. to see that I had started with an eating disorder at 14, moved to drugs, then alcohol, had right. um, terrible relationships with men, you know, very volatile relationships, um, never held a relationship. I had to look at all that yeah. and say, wait a minute, that didn't, that didn't just happen for no reason. That didn't happen from loving, caring parents. Oh, absolutely. My life was a disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. this, there was nothing to, I didn't have anything, you know, it was, it was totally invisible. I didn't have words for yeah, there's a great book, and you know, I'm sorry that I'm on my phone because, you know, like I said, I'm not tech savvy, but I wanted to look at it for you. But I could certainly, uh, you know, if you're going to post this, I can yeah. put I can put some referral sources in there because I believe you and I had talked about it. There's a book called Healing from Hidden Abuse, um, mm. which I love because there is a workbook in the back. Okay. And. I, I would give you the, I, I can't, I will send it to you. I promise, Tracy. Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 really, it. it's really powerful. And I found it to be, uh, it's accessible for anybody. You know, the language yeah. is really clinical, which is really important. So that right. you can into, you know, put language to what lighting yeah. look like. What is bait and switch? What is trying? Yeah. The flying, mm. you know. Right. All of those things. Oh my God. And it just makes you feel crazy. Yeah, it's, you know? so, yeah um, it's pretty interesting that we have all these terms now. I grew up in the 70s, so there wasn't Google or any of, you know, I thought there's something wrong with me, right? But now all of these terms and, and, and you know, a podcast and a community and, and all of these things to say, no, you're not crazy. We can't all be crazy right. and have... Um, Everybody in my community has the same dynamic with parents for the most part. It's it's like it's that everybody has the same story, you know, that can't be wrong. We can't be wrong. No. And, you know, it, it's interesting because I've heard some um, 
I guess skeptics or naysayers, whatever you want to call them, and just saying, mm-hmm. well, now this term is getting like thrown around all the time. And it's, that's not true. It's, you know, we're always doing the best with the information that we had at the time. Yeah. And, you know, if we're doing our job, uh, you know, just as human beings, but certainly mm-hmm. as or anybody that's in the field of, of wellness and mental health, then we're constantly educating ourselves and we're learning more yeah. that, you know, trauma is, what we knew of trauma when we talked about PTSD, I mean, we really just thought that that was for veterans, you know, now that that's so much more. And then we talk about about complex trauma. I mean, that's that now we're talking about a huge continuum and it's our responsibility to put language to it. And thank God we have all these, you know, the social scientists and people in the wellness industry that are doing incredible work to put language to give us some, a foundation to stand yeah. on. So that yeah, absolutely. Easy to do that. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. so true. Yeah. Wow. Such great information. Um, so good. Um, we are running out of time. I did. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you. Um, sure. One last thing I want to touch on. A lot of I, I think that most of these parents, they just lack self-awareness. They have a personality disorder, right? They, 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 they can't like be accountable for anything. Hey, I messed up. I'm really sorry. What can we do? If that just isn't going to happen. No, I, I have rare. I have, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Yeah. With, you self, know, self, well, emotional intelligence is what we're really talking about. Yeah. Right? Self-awareness yeah. is in the wheel of, of, I mean, it's a really important one. It's probably the foundation of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, how you impact others. Yeah, Um, yeah. And and really evaluating, like, what is your intention of doing something? And what's the motivation behind it? And is there empathy? Uh, Are you able to self-regulate? So when people are stuck in a personal order, um, and I do believe really of, of the theory of personality disorder is trauma based, but we mm, also can yeah. work it if we're willing to say that there's a problem. So right. yeah, somebody has a person, if a parent has a personality disorder and it, whether it stems for trauma or not, it, you know, people can debate that. I'm not interested in that. The bottom line is if somebody is not willing to look at their trauma, personality mm-hmm. disorder and issues in their life and they can't be accountable, then there is no hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I know that's hard to swallow. Yeah. But true and truth. And you have to be able to make a decision to, right. uh, you know, be at peace with yourself and rebuild yeah. life. Cause you can, yeah. it sounds like yeah. you're constantly working on that. And I am too. And you know, it, there, there's proof that yeah. we get better. Yeah. We, we get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I always tell people that too. I am like the weird anomaly of a person that got sober. I mean, most people don't get sober, right? We're, we're fortunate that, you know, we got sober. Um, I'm a parent. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't know this stuff 30 years ago when I raised my daughter. Um, and, you know, but, but I got sober and, and, you know, I, I was accountable for my actions and mistakes, but that doesn't happen very often. And even with getting sober, right? I got sober and that was like, it took me a long time. And my daughter didn't trust me for years that I could stay sober, which makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, and then getting sober and years 
before I even looked at my trauma. Because if I first got sober and looked at my trauma, I would have just went out and drank again, you know? So it was like, oh, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was like years of, you know, getting sober and then trying to just manage that day to day was like, took about a year, right? And then going to therapy and then looking at trauma and, and then doing the somatic part of it. Years, years and years. And I'm glad that you said that because that is the right order. You know, as a therapist, I won't. Well, I mean, I've always been hesitant to work with addiction because I've known that, you know, the binge drinking on the weekend has been an ongoing thing. So I, I, you know, I knew that that was something that I would refer out for. Um, Yeah. But, you know, even with somebody that's trying to manage addiction and I specialize in, you know, trauma recovery, sobriety comes first because you don't want to you need to be really, really solid in your sobriety yeah. before you do that other work. But that other work is so important for your sobriety. They go hand in hand. But right, yeah, right. Absolutely. It is. It's years. Yeah. And I, I don't want that to be a daunting thing because I'm sure that, with, you know, for the listeners again, I know that, yeah. you know, yeah. want to focus on the solution and optimism because there is and a lot yeah. of the yeah. work along the way. Yeah. Beautiful and profound. You know, yes. I feel like right in the yeah. face looking out the same damn window every day, but all of a sudden you got these new set of eyes and it's awesome. Yeah. yeah and that is the beautiful thing. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, really, I always, I try to bring that home to people that really to, you know, really help them understand that parents aren't going to just change. It takes a lot of work and focus that energy and all of that, you know, trying to fix them, put that on yourself, whatever that you know, needs to be right. Yeah. yeah. And work on giving yourself, you know, the love that you're craving, mm, you know, yeah. and, and finding a way to do that. It, like recently for me, it's been like, I've been doing all this farm stand hopping and like, you know, cooking fresh foods and yeah, just these simple things that I wish I had mm, growing up like yeah. so regularly, not the inconsistent, right. but regularly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a beautiful, yeah, that's a beautiful thing to have. Um, it is just, you know, my life is so simple, so simple. It's boring. <laughs> and I used to think, you know, I used to think, oh my God, but yes, I am that boring person. You know, it's so simple. You know, I mean, I don't know if you're feeling bored, maybe that's something different, but for me, keeping things simple because I do have a hyper. Yeah system and yeah I do yeah that's exactly it trauma looks that you know I have to live that way and I feel peaceful in that way yeah oh that chaos can be something that feels like home right right that's right it could that could be its own kind of hook and I want to stay away from that yes so simple is beautiful yeah yeah no yeah it, it it took me so long to understand you know oh that's boring but I love it here. My nervous system really loves it here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. After decades of, yeah, you know, really blowing out my nervous system mm-hmm. uh, with that hypervigilance. And yeah, my body can't do that anymore. <gasps> I have no desire. <laughs> That's the best part when you have yeah. no desire. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, this has been just a really beautiful eye opening conversation. Um, Again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, beautiful, 
beautiful conversation, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoy. Listeners, check it out. We'll be hopefully having you back at some point. Sure. Give me a topic. I'll be ready. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks again.